From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 57. Today's show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts, stamps.com, posted on demand, and go to meeting. Make it easy to meet with your team wherever you need to, wherever you are. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Jason Snell. Can you believe we've done 57 of these? It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. flying by, my friend. It is flying by. We do an episode a week, and they just the numbers just keep on going, and yep. it's just. Uh, oh, we've done a couple a of extras as well. Yeah, that's true. So that's it's true. Well, happy happy Monday to you. We record this on Monday, and happy whatever day it is to you, podcast listeners, when you're listening to this. I always had that problem because the podcasts happen in this eternal present that is any day or any time, and so you can't say tonight or today if you are listening during the day, kind of thing. Um, it's hard. Because podcasts could be any time. They're unmoored from time and space. Exactly. That's right. But I'm glad that you're listening to to this podcast now. So I want to uh, do a little bit of follow-up from last week. If you remember, yes. I uh, tried my best to activate a Huawei telephone mm-hmm. um, on people. And it didn't affect everyone, as we heard from many people um, over Twitter uh, in both camps, so some people I did activate their Ahoy telephone, and some I did not, um, and we heard from both from both sides. So basically, uh, all we know is that the training isn't as perfect um, as you would maybe hope it would be, and that it doesn't matter kind of who the person is, it can still uh, activate the uh, new Ahoy telephone feature. If you do not know what I'm talking about when I say Ahoy telephone, it is to activate the personal assistant in your phone uh, whilst the screen is off, which can now happen in the new S phones. But we say Ahoy telephone so we don't activate people's telephones. That's right. Um, but I had a, an instance for me where I was watching a TV show and it activated uh, a couple of days ago. Somebody said, are you serious? And it lit up. Yeah. But the funny thing about it, it was, it was an American lady coming through my MacBook speakers. Uh, so I think the training clearly needs work. So this made me think, can you turn this feature off? And yes, you can. If you go to Settings General on Siri, you can turn off the new feature that's in uh, iOS 9 and the new S phones, uh, which is what I have done, uh, because I have my watch if I need to, to do the hands-free stuff, and that makes way more sense to me anyway. That makes sense to me too. Um, and... The training, I'm unclear on whether the training is just looking at particular like tones of voice or frequency ranges or if it's doing something a little more sophisticated. It does have you say a few different things, but I'm still not convinced that's doing anything other than trying to get you to speak with a natural uh, a natural tone. So it sounds like it's better than it was, perhaps, but it's not locked on to your voice and no other voice will unlock uh, unlock that feature. That doesn't seem to be the case. I think that there is more that you can do. Like, for example, if it if it maybe had you just try and say more words than just that key phrase. Um, because you'd think that gender and accent would be... A re- like, they're basically the two biggest defining characteristics mm-hmm. of somebody's voice. And the fact that it picked up the exact opposite to me uh, was was interesting. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It, it, I, there may be something about the way that it's listening to that it, because uh, this the other thing that would solve this is if you could set something to say, set a key phrase, or choose from a collection of key phrases, which is I think what Amazon does. My guess is though that there are costs for all of that because it's obviously listening for a certain pattern of sound with its low power you know, mode, but it's still listening just for that certain pattern. Um, and so it might be harder to do it. It's a, it's a tricky problem, but the difficulty is, yeah, if you're, if you're in a, if it's listening all the time and you're in lots of places where people are talking that you're going to get accidental activations. Um, also to follow up on my iCloud problems, um, during the last episode and now Apple has released another, uh, point point update. I don't know what these ones are actually called. What do you, what are these called? Cause point updates is like 9.1. I don't know. Minor updates. Minor update. We'll go there. They um, a nine dot uh, dot two, which had a bunch of feet uh, like fixes. It didn't mention anything about iCloud, but it has fixed my iCloud backup problems. So my phone is now backing up um, overnight automatically. Now oh, the thing is. I have some friends, because I've been talking to people a lot about this, who are having the same problem as me, and this did not fix it for them, which I think further goes to my point from last week, in that something is broken, and it's a random set of things that can fix it for different people. Like, you know, I was saying, like, it just needs that kick to reboot it. And that did that, uh, 9.0.2 did that for me, but it still hasn't done it for everyone. Um, I don't know what Apple need to do here because it clearly seems like there's a fix that they can't put their finger on either um i'm hoping that 9.1 will will be enough of a big change for a lot of people that it does fix it but not being able to to back up to icloud it's very frustrating i agree it you lose your safety net when when you you aren't doing that when you can't rely on that yep and it's the reason i pay for icloud storage so (sighs) right you know yeah in a in a roundabout way i pay to back up my phone. I guess this is why people don't upgrade <laughs> right away, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that you spend a couple of weeks, and Apple obviously spends a couple of weeks shaking all the little bugs out. Yep. And they're in- inevitably, you know, so when, when I write reviews of stuff like this, people are like, I can't believe you didn't mention this thing. And the answer is, well, you know, what happens, most of these things are things that don't happen every time. Yep. They happen to one person out of a thousand or one person out of 10,000. The problem is that, you know, if you're, if you're only testing with a small group, relatively small group of people, you may never find some of these quirks. And then you roll it out to tens of thousands and then you notice. Confidence has definitely been shook in the average consumer about upgrading, even though Apple's statistics are fantastic, right? I just know that from people that I've spoken to, uh, they get a bit nervous about upgrading mm-hmm. their devices now. Yeah, I think I think iOS 7 really made a lot of iOS users wary because that was a pretty traumatic update and changed the you know changed the OS interface itself and uh i i think that that has led to iOS users being a little more reluctant to 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 dive in and was it 8 that bricked people's phones or was it 7 i remember it was one of them that had it, there was like a bad there was some bad code in the update oh yeah well it, that 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 was in 8 in 8 there was the one that it, it uh there was an 8 update that killed the cellular modem yeah there you go that was it that's what i want to go about <laughs> Good. Good times. <laughs> so it's like you know you keep you keep doing these things and people are like, <laughs> you know, and and I feel for Apple because, I mean the seven the iOS seven one, um, where they maybe could have predicted it, they didn't necessarily know that people wouldn't like it. 
right? But it's the issue of if people aren't tuned into your marketing message, they wake up the next day and they basically have a different phone, yeah. right? Because it looks nothing like the one from the day before. But the motivation of, of the vendors is interesting because in, in a lot of these cases, they, they don't they don't want you to not upgrade. You know, they want you to upgrade, and they 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 don't care. They know that some people are going to be fearing change and be reluctant to change, but they're highly motivated to get everybody on the latest and greatest. And uh, so, you know, they're they're not they're not trying to make life easy for people who are who are holding back from the from updating. They mm-hmm. they they're not interested in that. When the, the the challenge is when you do something really traumatic like with the iOS 7 interface changes. That that's pretty that yeah, that was pretty shocking. And I think there was a lot of trust lost there because their phone changed overnight. And I know I heard it from some of my relatives like you know, there's a new update. Is this going to change my phone again completely? <laughs> nope. Just that one time, but um but still it they remember it is one of those things, though, that I don't know how you solve that problem. Like, if it's what you want to do, like, there's, I don't know if there's any other way to do it. But yeah, there, you know, there are people smarter than me to look at these issues. Uh, let's do a bit of follow out. This we haven't spoken about this yet, and I know that a few people. It's all part have of the conspiracy. Yeah, it's all part of the conspiracy. The the mm-hmm. ever running large conspiracy uh, regarding peace and ad blockers and and Marco, um, right. and. There's been some really interesting discussion on ATP 136 and on the talk show 132 about this. Um, Obviously, Marco was on both of those. Uh, And I know that, Jason, you wanted to to kind of talk about the the fact that we're friends, right? Yeah, this is... uh, I mean, I I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about ad blockers um, and about... um, the the I think it's a complicated issue. I think I I think I may have said this previously. You will you will will end up just all feeling bad and not solving anything. Yeah, I, but, I'm gearing up for something. Like I'm still chewing through my feelings, and I think I think that me and Gray are going to talk about this at some point. Huh. Um, just because I think he's going to have a different kind of view on this kind of stuff because he comes from somewhere else. I would be interested to hear what what he has to say. I think after we did the show last week, we talked about this a little, so the people who were in the live chat uh, listening to the live stream heard it. But um, I did talk about ad blocking and more generally about how problematic web ads are on the talk show in July. So that's episode 126 of the talk show. Um, Gruber and I talked about that for for quite a bit, and I, I... think you know i i recounted some of the things that i witnessed working for a publishing company that was struggling with how you make money on the web um and my feelings about about ad blocking in general are pro- uh, they're, they're difficult they're problematic because i think that uh on one level it is wrong to take the content that's being offered but uh not uh, the the things that ride along with them. On one level, I think that's wrong. On another level, though, I feel like the abuse of that that connection and that trust um, has gone totally out of control and and sort of taken. The publishers don't have any ground to stand on anymore about this because of how badly they've abused that. If you could imagine getting a getting a newspaper 
your daily newspaper suddenly, th- I mean, think back 10 years, um, your daily newspaper c- suddenly comes with a fake, <laughs> a fake front page that's all fake stories about an advertiser. And when you open it up, uh, there's like a thing that pops up <laughs> and plays a sound uh, until you close that page. And then uh, somewhere else in there, they've inserted eight different uh, cologne samples, and those are stinking up the newspaper. Uh, you know, and and some of those were attempted in print, and generally it was very expensive, and it turned out that the readers like hated it. I've got to say, I saw uh, Andy Bayo uh, tweet today about the front page of the LA Times, mm-hmm. and it looks like a web page. I, I yeah. put a link in the show notes and in the chat room. Yeah, and, um, and it's so, kind of so, fun to see. So the trend toward junk, I mean, it 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 it, it happens. So so I feel like it's a complicated issue, and like I said, I think in the end everybody just feels bad because you want to find a way to support this. The 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 this is one of the things that was I think almost inevitable when the web, when the the entire model for the web settled down to every everything is free or almost everything is free on the web and it's all about traffic and not and ads to to make money and not about people paying for for stories like it used to be you didn't get news unless you paid for it and now we all get it for free from a lot of different sources. So there's that issue. But that's actually not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about, at least briefly, is that I had that moment listening to Marco talk about um, decide, making the decision to pull peace because he wasn't comfortable um, and he decided he didn't want to be uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in the ad blocking industry. Um, I don't know. You know, Mike, you and I were privy to, we saw a beta of peace and we saw conversations about peace a little bit in in the uh in uh, in our relay fm slack channel and i just had a couple of moments where i felt like i i asked myself did i fail marco by not trying to steer him away from this idea that he decided was a bad idea because i felt like we were all sort of supportive of marco it's like hey marco you i can't believe you're doing this thing but you know good for you uh and and we we tried to be sort of friendly and supportive and and i just had that moment of thinking uh you know should we have should we have been more skeptical should we have been uh you know warned him like do you really want to get into this or or not i don't i don't know i just i feel a little bit of guilt that i i i i could have seen this coming and failed to say anything i didn't see it coming it's not like i saw it coming and 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 decided i was going to let him you know go through this but i do have that moment of of pause of like uh you know did i do you, could, could I could I have uh, thought about this a little bit more and sort of jumped out and said no, wave my arms, no, Marco, stop, no, think about this some more, and I didn't do that. See, I feel bad about it too now, um, and it kind of frustrates me looking back at it because I have. I mean, we've spoken about it on this show. Um, in the past, like I have very complex feelings towards ad blocking, um, and and I don't really know where I fall on it. Uh-huh. Um, so I should have been able to transplant that feeling onto the idea to say, Marco, this could be trouble. But for some reason, it never crossed my mind. I was I was using it, trying it out. I was like, this is really cool. Was my <laughs> thinking. 
right? And just be like, wow, look how fast the pages load. I was purely focused on the technical. And this is exactly what Marco was saying. And, and I think it might be difficult for people to hear that and believe it, right? Like he was talking about this on ATP, but I compl- I was like nodding along because I was like, yeah, I saw it too. And it never, I, I didn't connect the dots between the two things because it just felt like a, this is a technical achievement. He has mm-hmm. created a thing that really works well. Um, and, and I really think it's because I don't have skin in this exact game. I think that was why I didn't think about it because there's nothing to block on Relay. There's, there's nothing there. Right. I mean, right. some some desktop um, ad blockers do actually block our, this episode was sponsored by Box. Because every now and then I get an email yeah. from someone saying, you should put sponsors on the page. I'm like, hey, you should turn <laughs> off your ad blocker. <laughs> uh, uh, and I checked that. It was one of the first things I checked when I installed pieces to our, to our sponsor blocks load on the, on the show pages. And they did. And I was like, great, that works. And so I didn't ever really think about the you are entering into a war of ideals here. Um, and, and it's interesting to look at it now and be like, well, yeah, of, of course he was. And it's funny how we all kind of came to that thinking afterwards um, rather than before. It's a it's a story that's been told many times, which is the, um, you know, I, I think most probably most notably in the um, the Manhattan Project. But it's the story of of scientists and their and and. <laughs> But it goes for all technology, which is there's the enthusiasm about learning something new and creating something new. And then there are there is the thought about the application of it. And those are always in conflict or often in conflict anyway, where you've got the as the line from one of my favorite TV shows said, I mean, I only build the bomb. I don't drop it. Right. Like it doesn't I'm completely disconnected from the effects of the thing that I've built. I'm just focused on the building. And that I think history is full of examples of people enthusiastic about building new things without necessarily thinking through all the horrible uses that would come to them. And so, you know, I, I think that I think that we were guilty in some ways of not shifting our frame of reference from this person we know who we're in this sort of private conversation with having uh, worked on something new and trying it out and saying, yeah, it really does work and I noticed this about it and not taking that step back and saying... Um, what what's going to happen when this all goes down and what where does it lead and, and thinking about it not and i'm not saying that making an ad blocker is immoral but i'm saying that it is controversial enough that when you when you pull back from the idea of this is a cool thing that you built um you you then start to have that realization of what's going to happen i think we could have seen it coming and and that that's all I, I wanted to bring up. I, I, there's no answer here other than I you know I feel bad I feel bad that Marco had to go through it. Um, I totally understand how it happened, which is that he realized that first off he's a smart businessman. I have to say that he he saw an opportunity here as a programmer. He thought, oh, ad blockers on uh, content blockers on OS nine are going to be a big thing. Let's let's do something there. And he did something there, and he built it, and he did that because of his interest in uh, learning about this technology, in supporting new Apple technologies, and because he assumed, I think, more than... And he, he talked about this on ATP and, I think, the talk show. Um, he, he assumed there'd be 20 of them. 
<laughs> right? And there weren't. There were there, there, surprisingly only a handful of them at launch. And, and you know, that was the stuff that was driving him was, I could build this. I could make a deal with Ghostery. I could, I could learn what the different formats are, and I could implement this new thing from Apple. And, and that was what was driving it. And it, and, 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 oh, it was only afterward that he realized, oh, I'm going to get all the people in, in the media business angry at me. And I've, I'm looking now at a, at a future where I'm going to have to maintain this thing. And now I'm part of the ad block industry, which is kind of a gross industry. Um, and he didn't want to be a part of it. So ultimately, I, I feel bad that he, he went through it and that he didn't stop earlier and say, oh, this is not a good idea. I shouldn't release this. Um, and, and like I said, I, I feel at least a little residual guilt that, uh, that I didn't at least have enough perspective to say, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm not saying that, you know, like I said, I, I, I didn't know this was going to happen and say, well, we'll see. Let's watch what Marco does now. It was like, I didn't think of it and I wish I had. Yeah, yep. definitely. All right, let's take a break and get into, we have a, we have a, a real selection of topics today. Lots, lots of little things oh, going yeah. on. Big menu. This episode of Upgrade is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform that has over 3,000 on-demand video courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash upgrade. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash upgrade. lynda.com is for people that want to solve problems in their life. It's for people that are curious to learn new things or for people who just want to make things happen. Like let's say you want to get a promotion at work or you want to learn a skill to undertake a side business that you've always been interested in. This is the type of stuff that you can do at lynda.com because they have courses on everything. So let's say you start that side business and you need to understand about how taxes work, right? You can take courses about that at lynda.com. Maybe you want to learn GTD so you can really knuckle down and get through those big projects that you're working on. They have courses taught by David Allen, the creator of GTD himself. They have courses on Excel, going paperless. They have courses on iOS app development, Android app development, Mac development, the whole shebang. Lynda.com has everything to feed your curious mind. You'll be able to watch videos that are created by experts, people who are passionate about teaching and who break these courses down into bite-sized pieces that you can consume how you want, in whatever order you want, in whatever way you want. You can stream them on your laptop and they have these great transcripts that you can follow along and click to an answer to skip to a point in the video. I actually had this I'm putting together a presentation and I for some reason in keynote I couldn't work out how to animate a bulleted list I I just couldn't it, all it was doing was just animating the whole list and I went to lynda.com I searched for keynote and I searched bullets and I was able to go to the transcript of this video about animations I clicked the, the word bullet and it went straight to the video and the guy told me that all I needed to do was to animate by character or whatever it was you have to break do a couple of little drop downs and I got it to work and I was very happy and lynda.com saved me because otherwise my presentation would have lacked the real animation that it needs. So you also be able to create and save playlists of the courses that you want and you can share them with the people in your life, maybe if they need to learn how to do bullet points in Keynote too. Your Lynda.com membership is going to give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you're just interested in learning something new, I would love it if you would visit Lynda.com upgrade, sign up for your free 10-day trial and help support this show. Once again, that is lynda.com slash upgrade. Thank you so much to lynda.com for the continued support of Upgrade and Relay FM. So, uh, OS X El Capitan came out 
um, yes. in between the two the two shows that we've recorded. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm running El Capitan on my Mac Pro right now. Um, it has not fixed the issues I was having with my Mac Pro, um, which is for anybody that hasn't followed the chain. Uh, I have uh, an issue with my Mac Pro where wherein it sometimes just freezes. Uh, all of the UI locks up. I can still have podcast conversations. Right? Skype still works. Um, and in some apps, audio recording still works. It's a whole big thing, which is so much to say. This is why I will be buying a... Uh, a new iMac as soon as they are revved, which I'm hoping should be soon-ish. I hope so. I priced one out today. Oh well, that's a that's never a good sign. I'm going to be buying a monster, Jason. I'm looking oh. at currently, uh, as it stands, the four gigahertz quad core i7, uh, sixteen gigabytes of RAM, one terabyte of flash storage. Are you are you anticipating getting a, a an updated five K? Yeah, I'm getting the 5K. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. 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 Boy, that's going to be a sad... That, that day is coming soon, I'm sure, where my, my precious 5K iMac here will, will be last year's model. That, yeah, that I'm, makes, well, I'm I mean, gonna... technically it is last year's model, but it hasn't been eclipsed yet. But it's... Well, yeah, I mean, they they rebundled some stuff and all that, but my precious, my precious. Yeah, I'm going to be going the whole way, because I'll be able to Join sell us. my Mac Pro for about two-thirds of the cost. Dare I say, hashtag Jason was right? <laughs> Well, no, you Come see... Come on, give this I mean, to me. No. Give this to me! No, because people say this, right? Because no. they said, oh, you should get an iMac, you should get an iMac at the time. But at that time, uh, I I only had the space for one monitor in the office where I work, and I needed to have something that could also have uh, games consoles plugged into. So that was why I had to go with a machine. Oh. That was one of the primary reasons. But now I have a whole different setup. I have a lovely TV here that my PS4 and Xbox and Wii are plugged into. Mm. And so now I'm going to go for the iMac because I want that big retina display as well as all the power now. All right. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You'll get a Jason was right in soon enough. Maybe before the end of this episode. You're just copying me. Yeah, that's it. I just, I just, want, I just want that Jason Snell... Uh, Experience, experience, yeah, the full snail zone experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, so El Capitan, what you're saying is uh, your solution up, updating to El Capitan isn't going to do it. So instead, you're just going to buy a whole new computer. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I had hoped that maybe just whatever that problem is, that it would be solved in El Capitan. But um, this isn't a thing to nope. be sorry about. I'm going to be getting a nicer computer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, th- there was a part of me that was hoping that this wouldn't fix the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, then congratulations. I'm glad your bug did not get fixed in El Capitan. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever, whatever strange yep. OS bug it is that that it does that. That's just such a weird thing. Uh, yeah, uh, so El Capitan came out. That's what we're saying. El Capitan is out. I'm hoping you will have more to say about El Capitan than I do. Like, I don't have a ton to say. I like the split screen, and I like the overall enhancements to Mission Control because I really do work in my Mac in Mission Control. Um, well, I mean, I think that's one of the unheralded improvements is that I, I, I really like what they did to Mission Control. The fact that all of the uh, all of your windows now uh, appear when you activate Mission Control mm-hmm. um, instead of stacking all the windows from an app together, which was kind of annoying if you work heavily in sp- some specific apps. And I really like that they've got the geography thing going on where... I, it's much easier to find Windows in Mission Control because they don't go too far away. 
they sort of stay roughly where they were. Um, so you know, like it was over on the left somewhere, and you look and you can find it. Um, I I, th- I think they did a good job with with all of that, and you can drag more things up into the mission control bar now. I um, like that you can se- you can send an app full screen by just dragging it up there. Yeah, you just grab the window and toss it up there, and it's full screen. Yeah, and the split screen stuff is really good. So talking about that presentation that I'm I'm working on, see, I'm I'm working on a 25 inch monitor here, so I have Kino open in like you know effectively it's full in size mm-hmm. and I also had the notes app pinned to the side because I've you know I've written my outline for my presentation in the notes app and then I'm I'm transferring some into my speaker notes and using it to help me go through the presentation and add uh, slides in and stuff like that so the split screen is fantastic for that I wish there was a um, more elegant way to bring apps out of full screen currently yeah. going up to the menu bar and hitting the green well what used to be the green button or whatever it is now um is a really inelegant solution. So uh, do you know the other the other way to do it is in mission control, you can actually if you go to the 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 space that is your split screen, uh-huh. um instead of having the X to get rid of the space, it has this little icon that's like it basically means blow apart. <laughs> and if you click it, the two both of the windows go back into um regular mode. Yeah, see so there is a way to that do doesn't it faster, feel but right but to you, me. But you should have a keyboard shortcut on that on that green button, I think. Or the green button should just pull both of the apps out. I think this is one of those cases where the fact is split view is just full screen mode with two apps in it. And they both think they're in, in full screen mode on a what, monitor that's narrower. <laughs> my ideal way of doing this is if you have uh, two apps in split screen and you go into mission control, it shows you those two sort of broken out and then you can move them individually Mm, that'd be nice right yeah it's just it's it's not i this is one of those features that will get refined over time i think but but in in this first version it's a little bit of a hack it is it is two apps in full screen mode but running side by side they don't really know about each other i have some issues with the fact that apps don't so many apps are not written to assume that if they're in full screen mode they might be sharing space with another app and so they don't often indicate whether they're active or not and that's problematic because you know you can only type in the one that's active and in some cases things like scrolling or pinching and zooming are limited based on whether the app is frontmost or not in full screen mode there's no concept of frontmost kind of it's they're gonna work this stuff out but i i agree with you it, it is you should be able right now if you click that green button um one app goes back into the desktop and the other one stays full screen um, which I'm not sure should be the default behavior, but at, at the very least, it would, you know, it would be nice if there was a very quick way to um, to do that, uh, to uncouple them both and send them back to their respective spaces, rather than having to like click one and then go swipe back to the other one and click it too. Uh, and right now, the fastest there is a shortcut to do that, but it's to go to Mission Control and and uh, blow up the blow up the little space that they share with the uh, little little icon in the in the corner of the the um of the icon at the top of the screen in the mission control bar not ideal i know that you've spent uh more time thinking um and reviewing naturally um os 10 than i have are there any other features of uh el capitan that that excite you or that interest you i mean for example if there's anything good in safari i don't know what it is (laughs) because i'm using chrome like a gentle. Uh, well, pin sites. I actually like pin sites. Okay. Um, which is uh, 
like mega favorites. Uh, <laughs> I wish they would have called them that instead. <laughs> the because uh, I use the bookmarks bar or the favorites bar or whatever they call it now, and uh, and it's uh, the favorites bar, and uh, I've got a, a bunch of stuff up in there. But the 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 pin sites is these little these little. Uh, tiny tabs they live within the tab bar and you um and they have an icon if the site has has uh, given an icon although i found in safari that the icons sort of come and go (laughs) i don't really know why (laughs) sometimes they're there sometimes they aren't there um but uh you can pin those sites and they stay there and they're in every window and so if you've got sites that you visit a lot you can just pin them and then they're always available they're a keystroke away they're you know it, it tries to keep them up to date so they're they're preloaded if you click on a link that's in the in the pin site it stays in the pin site but if you click on an offside link rather than closing your pin site and opening and you know opening the the that link in the same window it just flips you to a new tab and and the place you left on your favorite site is still there, um, so th- there's some nice things about that um, that, that I, I I think it's I think it's kind of cool, and I think uh, Safari oh that changes the keyboard shortcut behavior, which is kind of annoying if you're somebody who did get used to the keyboard shortcuts of the bookmark bar, um, and then there's the the audio muting feature, which is nice, which is your autoplay video feature that if you've got a tab that suddenly starts making noise, and people who have lots of tabs open, this happens a lot. Um, you can you can mute your browser tab if if it's playing in that window. You can also mute all the others and just say whatever wherever that thing is playing. I don't want to hear it, and that's a nice uh, sure. that's a nice feature. Yeah. So so there's there's some stuff in there. Notes got big improvements that sync up with the iOS nine improvements. I should have mentioned Notes because it's one of my favorite apps now. Just yeah, flat yes. out. So I the, love I, it. All, all those features that use the iCloud, first off, it's the iCloud syncing, so you don't have to just use IMAP email boxes for your notes. They actually sync with iCloud uh, now, and iCloud um, iCloud notes get all these other features where there's like more like checkboxes, and you can do sketches with on iOS, and you can view those on the Mac, although you can't create them. Um, the, you know, it's it's a uh, I, I think like in my review on Macworld, I, I liken this to putting better um, a better selfie camera on an iPhone and putting a camera on the iPad is one of those things that maybe Apple, when they were building these products, didn't expect it to be as popular a behavior as it turned out to be. And once you realize that it's popular, you say, well, we should probably make it better then. <laughs> if it's going to be popular, if people are going to use it, we should make it better. And I feel like that's what happened with Notes, is they realized that everybody uses Notes for something. Because <laughs> it's pre-installed, it's super easy to get to, it may not be the greatest thing in the world. Yes, there are competitors that do a better job, but it's still crazy popular. So let's make it better. And so they did. And so it's better across iOS and, and uh, OS X. And I think they did a good job. And I'm, I'm glad they finally put in the, the effort to not make it like use your email boxes in order to do notes because that was dumb. It was a hack that lasted for like eight years. Crazy <laughs> it was, that it did. I don't know how that, how that managed. But it's, it's uh, done now. And it's very easy to migrate too. You can actually just select your notes and drag them into iCloud and they move over to iCloud and it's, it's fine. You can set up folders for your notes. And you know, they, did, they did a very good job, I think, with, with uh, updating notes. Uh, and and photos since I since I am the author of uh, photos for Mac a take control crash course a book available an ebook available for download now um, I, I I pay very close attention to the photos app because I I wrote a whole book about it and now that there's an update with uh, to photos version one point one that comes with El Capitan I wanted to um, 
go through that and, and find all the new features there because I'm going to have to update my book. It will be a free update, uh, but I'm going to update my book for uh, for 1.1. And and there are a few. They knocked off the uh, the biggest uh, feature request. Keeping in mind, photos for Mac only came out in the spring. They haven't had a whole year to update it, so it's a it's not a 2.0. It's a 1.1. But like the top complaint of users of photos was that you couldn't geotag uh, photos in the app. You couldn't edit geo data and you couldn't add geo data to photos that didn't have uh, have it embedded in it, like taken from a uh, an SLR or something, some other device that doesn't have uh, location information. And you can now. <laughs> it uses the same, you know, maps database that everything else in you know does by default that's the Apple Maps database. But you can, I selected a whole bunch of pictures that I took, you know, 10 years ago uh, that aren't geotagged and I was able to select them all and choose, you know, command I to bring up the info pane and enter in the name of the location where we were and hit return and boom, they were all geotagged. Um, and it automatically syncs over iCloud. So if I search later for pictures from Seattle, those pictures that I tagged are now going to show up. So that was a, it should have, you know, it should have been there, but it wasn't batch, batch geotagging, individual geotagging, batch changing of titles and descriptions and keywords. That's all in there now. So, you know, um, and the other thing is extensions. I actually wrote about this on on Six Colors. You can now app developers can write extensions that work in Photos, uh, editing extensions, similar to the concept of photo editing extensions on iOS, which there haven't been a lot of. Um, but I've counted like four or five that are in the Mac App Store right now that will let you. Still waiting on that VSCO. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one that they demoed on stage. Yeah, <laughs> with iOS eight or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't get a lot of pickup, did it? But uh, but I did. I tried a, a few from MacFun, uh, from BeFunky, and uh, Pixelmator's got one that's coming out with an update to Pixelmator. And you know, if if you know, we'll see how the developer ad- uh, adoption goes of this. And uh, the idea is that third parties can add things. Like, there are some filters that are black and white filters inside photos, but Tonality from MacFun, which is like an $18 app. And it's funny because as an app, it is just like a blank. You know, you, you open a picture and it brings up an interface and you make changes and it creates a, you know, a really nice, usually like black and white uh, image and you press OK and it saves it out. I mean, it's not much of an app. Um, and it actually makes sense as an extension inside of photos because then you're editing a photo and then you get to the point where you want to run it through this uh, this third-party extension uh, and you can do that and, and then you save it and you're still, you never left photos. You just used the functionality of that inside of photos. So that got added. Uh, we'll see if it's a curiosity or if it becomes, you know, more uh, valuable. I think that one of the nice things about it is it lets people who have who have pet features that there's some subculture of people, some subsection that really, really wants this feature, but it's never going to be enough for Apple to add it. Now somebody can develop uh, an extension that does it and it'll work inside photos and Apple doesn't have to go down that path. So um, that's uh, beyond that. I mean, El Capitan is where it's it, it's compatible with everything. <laughs> I, I believe they haven't reduced compatibility for uh an os release since mountain lion i think all the same systems run mountain lion mavericks yosemite and el capitan they haven't not all the features work but but apple very much wants everybody and in fact you can upgrade from as long if you've got a compatible system from as far back as snow leopard you can upgrade directly to el capitan um that's good 
Yeah, well, Apple wants everybody on the current version, and they they uh, that's where all the biggest security updates are, and that's part of the that's part of the reasoning for doing it this way is they want everybody on this version. They want uh, they that way. You know, they're not spending all their time maintaining Windows XP, right? <laughs> they're like, look, if you've got any computer that we've sold, almost any computer we've sold in the last six years, you can just run El Capitan and you'll get all the updates. So um, that that's, uh, I think that's interesting. It's free, it's a download, and it works with pretty much uh, any computer from the last five years. Anything else, El Capitan? I don't know. I feel like I've... Uh, I've got it all there. That's that's uh, it's free. It's uh, it's been solid for me. I uh, I think people should uh, yeah. I I think you should give it a try. Again, we we just talked about if you want to wait a couple of weeks to see if uh, issues get shaken out, then uh, then do so. And then I guess the other thing I would say is if there are apps that you rely on day to day to do your job, uh, go check and see if they are okay in El Capitan. Because if they're not. Don't upgrade. Yep. That's, a, that's like rule one is if there's stuff that you rely on that doesn't work with it. Because I heard from somebody who said, oh, I upgraded El Capitan. It turns out that these two programs that I use that I totally rely on that are like five years old don't work in El Capitan without installing all of these extra things. And it was a disaster. So I went back to Yosemite. I'm like, well, I, I yeah, I think if you if you were relying on especially old software, check out to Google around a little bit. See if there are issues because... Um, that sh- that can be a problem. I didn't have any issues like that because I'm using mostly uh, recent software. Like uh, an app for po- that many podcasters use, the Levelator, apparently broke in El Capitan, although Tidbits posted an article about there is a way to fix it. Uh, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, an unsupported app from a company that no longer exists, but uh, people are trying to keep it alive. But, you know, with the exceptions of if you've got a mission-critical app that just won't work in it, I'd say. Otherwise, it's a pretty smooth update, I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it, it it's almost routine. And that's a good thing, that, that Apple um, is trying to make this as smooth and routine as possible and not, n- not have these upgrades seem uh, upsetting to people. And, uh, and I think they did a pretty good job with El Capitan. It's a, you know... It's, uh, I can't measure the speed improvements. They say it's a lot faster. It's probably more measurable on slower systems than the 5K iMac that I was using for most of my testing because it's pretty fast as it is. Um, but uh, by using Metal underneath instead of OpenGL, the game performance should be a lot better and a whole bunch of other graphics stuff should be a lot smoother because core animation and core graphics are now using Metal instead of OpenGL. Cool. But it didn't fix your computer. Did, Sorry. No, it didn't. Did not fix my computer at all. Um, actually, let me take a, a second sponsor break. All right. right now, and then uh, then I want to talk about Amazon a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because there's some interesting stuff going on there this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this week's episode <laughs> of Upgrade is brought to you by GoToMeeting. Think about all the time, money, and hassle that it takes to hold. A meeting, like getting everyone in the same place, getting the projector set up, sorting out refreshments, checking everybody's calendars is just difficult enough. But when you think about the time and hassle that it takes to bring people physically into the same room, even if it's in the same building, that can just be 
tiresome. It's just horrible. But there is a better way. You can meet your clients and co-workers online with Citrix GoToMeeting. It really is a smarter way to meet. People don't need to leave their offices to go to a different office. People don't even need to leave their desk or the floor of the building that they work on to meet with you over something that's important or mission critical for your work. GoToMeeting makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are, because you can meet from any computer, tablet, or smartphone without travel expenses or the hassle of travel. Your team can join by just clicking a link. No sign-ups or speed bumps will get in your way. You can turn on your webcam, and with HD-quality video, it's just like everyone's in the room together, and you can even share screens to present, review, and get feedback in real time time. With GoToMeeting, everyone sees what you're seeing, so you and your team can get on the same page and get going quickly. Stop wasting time with the crazy logistics of arranging meetings. Go and sign up for GoToMeeting today. You can try it for free for 30 days. There's nothing to lose. Just visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button, and you'll have your first meeting up and running in just minutes. Once again, visit GoToMeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much to GoToMeeting for supporting Upgrade and Relay FM. So, uh, over the past few days, Amazon um, have issued a kind of a release and have then subsequently stopped selling devices like the Apple TV and the Chromecast. And the quote from Amazon is, Over the last three years, Prime Video has become an important part of Prime, uh, is what they said in, in an email that they sent out. It's important that the streaming media players we sell interact well with Prime Video in order to avoid customer confusion. So basically, what it seems like and what the assumption is that um, Apple and uh, sorry, Amazon and, and Apple and Amazon and Google have not yet come to an agreement over how to work together to get Prime onto their platforms. So whether it's uh, that Apple or Google are asking Amazon to design in a certain way that they're uncomfortable with, or Amazon is saying, we're not going to go through your in-app purchase system and we want people to sign up for their accounts, whatever the reasons are, they've basically come to a stalemate in which Amazon has now taken some pretty harsh action. Yeah, it's a, it's weird. It's weird. Um I see both sides of this, and I know that that it's been very popular for people to just point at Amazon and say, "Amazon, you're evil." Boo. Um, if you're Amazon and you've spent, <laughs> this is the conflict. Amazon has spent a, a lot of time and money promoting their video services, their streaming video services, and th- so now they're a video platform owner. They're also a seller of products. And some of those products don't work with their video platform. And I totally understand somebody at Amazon saying, this is confusing. We're getting complaints. I have to explain to people that, uh, no, just because you bought that video streamer on Amazon and you're an Amazon customer, it doesn't mean that you can get your video from Amazon on that product that you bought from Amazon because it's from Apple and they don't like us. And so they like us to sell their stuff, but they don't like us to put our stuff on their on their boxes. Um, I, I get that. I actually do get that. I, I, I think that as computer nerds, it's easy for us to say, oh, well, come on. Everybody knows that you can't do that on the Apple TV and all that. But I don't know. If you're an Amazon customer and you're using Prime Video and you say, oh, you know, I heard you can put that on a TV. Well, I've got Apple stuff. I'm, I'm going to get the Apple TV and use that. Although you can. You can use AirPlay to... <laughs> 
<laughs> play Amazon Video on the Apple TV, but you just can't use the app. Um, so I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I understand that this is the difficulty of having this platform and also being a, a, a seller of hardware is that you you are going to have issues like this where the, the stuff that, that, you're, that you're doing over here is not compatible with the stuff that you're selling over there. Um, it's hard not to see this as a power play, though, as like the equivalent of Apple taking you know, a publisher's books out of the Apple store as a, you know, an expression of discontent in some way. It also seems kind of bizarre to me in the sense that I think we all assumed that Amazon would do an app for the new Apple TV. And if that is the case, wouldn't they not make such a big deal about sweeping the old Apple TV out of the store? I don't know. It seems weird. seems weird. I think that... um Amazon probably want an app, but what they also want to do is sell subscriptions. And that's that's why this is happening. So that's why I believe this is happening right now is because I assume that Apple and Amazon are meeting about the Apple TV. <laughs> so Bezos is like, we're not getting what we want. Screw this. We'll show them. And this is in the middle of the discussions. So he said, well, we'll take it out of the store. And Apple go, fine try us and they go okay and they pull it out that's what i assume is happening right now and then somebody pulled down their pants at some point and just yeah. exposed their butt but we don't we don't know who that was that could have been either side really it, it, it was a very juvenile meeting it was very they should have ended it long before that they uh, you say you say that though i expect that this is a lot of why this is happening is and the reason it's happening right now is because of the upcoming apple tv that that is my feeling about this so okay. the thing is that the way that I see this is I, I don't fully know if I can reconcile in my mind why it's okay for Apple to take a cut of signups for Amazon Prime video. I can't work out in my head. Like, so people well, are like, oh, you know, it, there's, there's, the, people call foul on Amazon. But why should Apple be taking a cut of signups anyway? Well, the standard the standard approach has been if you offer if you don't offer it in the app it's okay that's why you can play amazon instant video stuff on an ipad sure but why why shouldn't people be able to sign up in the app well i think that's a separate issue i think it's a separate issue no, right I, th- I think it is the issue well I'm... like because that this is probably <laughs> well, i mean this is one I... of the major problems that amazon and apple have together right sure amazon... this is this is behind ripping all the all the commerce out of comiXology too it's the same yeah. same story and why the kindle app you can't buy books in the kindle app and yeah it's true and and i wonder like why apple think that this is something that it's okay for them to to demand because you can buy physical goods Right, so yep. it's not like there's a problem with we can't allow other payment processing because other payment processing happens in Apple App Store apps. It's just this idea of a subscription service which they won't play ball on. Yeah, when like you could just sign into your Amazon account and purchase it in the app, like how you do a toaster. That that's that. So I my feeling on this is if Amazon don't want to use the in-app purchase system, I don't know why Apple think that they deserve. To, to to say you can't you can't do any kind of account generation. I don't think I'm I don't think I'm following you here. I mean, the, the, I I I have to admit I am surprised that this took a turn into Apple's thirty percent. I, I I think that okay. that doesn't maybe I'm not being to, completely clear about. I don't what, think this that needs here. to be relevant because there are these two issues. There's the issue of does our box play your stuff. 
And uh, historically, Amazon, you know, again, does not have an app. There's a Netflix app on the Apple TV, but there's not an Amazon app. But there is an Amazon video app on the iPad. And there is a Netflix app on the iPad. And and the Amazon app, you can't, just like there's a Kindle app, you can get to your stuff, but you can't buy it on the device. You can't subscribe uh, other than in Safari. You can't do it in the app. Um, and and that's uh, that's dumb, but at least you can watch your stuff. Um, I don't think people are signing up for Prime necessarily on these devices uh, in in app, and so maybe it's not that big an issue. Now, separately is the which is your point is that's still a bad experience, and that's part of the, that's got to be part of the conversation here. Is it's a much better experience. Like imagine all the um, think of all the engineering work that Comixology had to do to rip out all of their stuff. They did a whole update of their app that essentially was trying to make it um, more palatable after they had to rip out all the all the commerce on iOS. Um, and this is all because of this thirty percent thing that Apple is charging that uh, that uh, you know Amazon doesn't want to pay because they don't have the margins for it. Yeah, they can't give they can't give those margins to Apple. So, like, it's just, I maybe didn't connect the dots correctly. Um, but basically, my feeling on this is that Amazon are unhappy with any device in which they can't sign up customers on. Mm. So, like, they, you know, with the iPad app, for example, you can just go to Safari and sign up for a Prime account, but you can't do that on the Apple TV. There's no flow for that. So right. if somebody downloaded it, like, they want to be able to push people to new accounts. Like, that, that's my assumption here, and which is why I feel like there's always been this problem. Because, like, I, I was really surprised to see Netflix is now selling their subscriptions via in-app purchase. And I really wonder, I look at that and be like, are Apple can are they going to let Apple take thirty percent of that? Like, I wonder if they it is the standard deal. Like, you know, you look at that and like, I don't know if Netflix needed that, but they've done it. I mean, and Apple are promoting them like crazy for doing it. Mm. Um, so I, I really wonder what the play is. I mean, maybe it's because th- there doesn't seem to be any preferential treatment for the Apple TV because they've come out and said um, Apple have said that the 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 the, the API to have your um, content show up in universal search is available to all. You know, so it's stuff like that. I'm like, wonder why Netflix did it. So like, all of this adds fuel to the fire for me. In like that, there is something about the creation of accounts that hold that is holding up Amazon. That's my feeling about this, anyway. Yeah, uh, I don't know what's going on with the Netflix thing, and if they are. I mean, so far, everything I've heard from Apple is that 30% is 30%. That's just the deal. Yeah. And so is it possible that Netflix is just figures that the, that it's more important to acquire those customers and pay Apple the 30% than it is to not? Um, and that maybe they will try to do something later to convert them? Or is it that Apple cut them a deal and they're only paying Apple 10% or something like that? Maybe they feel it's just an important percentage of their customer base, but not a huge percentage, and they can they'd rather have them at a lower rate than not have them. Yeah, like maybe. maybe Netflix know the amount of people that download their app, try to sign on and have no account. Also, something like Amazon Prime is problematic because Amazon Prime Video is not a video streaming service. It's part of a much larger package. And I'm sure Amazon is not willing to give Apple 30% of a package that only includes the video, right? It, it, yeah. it makes even... It, Amazon's business doesn't make a lot of sense with the 30% model. That's why you can't buy books in the Kindle app. 
It's because Amazon's whole business is based on these low margins. There's no room there for them to hand somebody through. They're not, they're not a business designed for a middleman, <laughs> right? And Apple is the middleman here. When it comes to, to selling of content, like who are Apple to boss Amazon around, right? You, like they're so, both so huge, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like, why should we have to do anything you tell us, you know? I, I, you know, and I hate the subject. I hate the subject because it says to me, I feel like this is some of Apple's worst um, tendencies. Yeah. You know, and, and you get that, that, that aspect of wanting complete control and being a dictator is what gets you a lot of positive things about Apple stuff. But this also has to me the whiff of one of, I think, the least enjoyable parts of Apple's personality as a company, which is this idea that um, anybody who's making money in their playground owes them a cut because they're making money off of Apple's greatness. And, you know, in some circumstances, maybe that's true, but but uh, at some point it becomes, I feel like, more than that. It's not, a, it's not about that anymore. Like, is degrading, we've, we've talked about this before, we talked about this about comiXology, is degrading the user experience of being a comic book reader on an iPad worth it to Apple because they want, they don't want to, they need that, they need that cash. If you're going to sell comics on my platform, you got to give me the cash. I need that cash. Well, they don't really need it. I don't think Apple, I think if Apple is ever at a point where their business is really based on be, making 30% of a skim off of everything that's sold in their financial transactions in the app store and, and through iTunes IDs, then their business is in trouble because that's not really their business. That's a side business. And taking some reasonable cut is, is fine, but 30% is a pretty large cut. And for an established business like Amazon, it's uh, it's not it's incompatible. And so Apple has said, "Hey, comic book readers, here's the most popular comic book uh, reader on the platform, and it's going to be worse now because we have this 30% rule, and that's just how it has to be." Um, that bugs me. That bugs me because I feel like the users get hurt because Apple and Amazon are fighting over this. And and in this case, I'm going to take Amazon's side and say Amazon's business is not built so that they can give Apple 30%. They can't do it. it it can't they can't do it because they're acting they're acting as the middleman <laughs> there can't be another middleman um so you know I, I i feel like the reasonable solution here would be for apple to either have these tough negotiations behind the scenes which who knows might might happen and that may not have gone well and that may be why we saw um <laughs> amazon take its ball and go home like they did um but or or throw Apple's ball in its face and stalk off the field. That might be a better metaphor for it. Um, or have Am have Apple say we're going to work with a few partners um, who are trusted, uh, you know, trusted third party partners who have their own existing commerce sites and let them do in app purchases. But it's going to be limited to this list. And I people always complain. It's like no 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 Apple can't do that. It's got to be fair and it's got to be the same for everybody. It doesn't. <laughs> It absolutely doesn't. It's Apple's store. It's Apple's rules. Apple can do whatever it wants. Apple could very easily say, these five outside parties, we're going to allow this because they're established and they have these much more complicated businesses. Apple could do that if it wanted, I think, without a, and it wouldn't be a big deal um, for them and for their business. And it would probably improve the uh, quality of buying books and and uh, stuff like that on, on iOS devices uh, through Amazon that much better. Um, but I feel that on the flip side, in the in the same instance, if Amazon want to remove products from their store, they can. It's their store, sure. and they can do it's whatever their store. they want. 
Amazon's not a public utility. No. <laughs> Amazon, and that's what I was saying initially, is I see the argument... Again, I don't I don't read it this way. If Amazon had done this maybe a little more quietly, I don't I don't think this is actually why it went down the way it is, but I see the argument that if you're Amazon and you're really invested in getting people to sign up for Prime and and use this video service and there are these devices that don't support what you're doing, I can see taking them off not because you're trying to prove a point to their manufacturers, but because it's confusing to some of your customers. And they have every right to make those decisions, just like every merchant has a right to decide what gets stocked in their stores. Yep. All right, there's one other thing that uh, I wanted to mention today because news broke this morning and we've spoken about it a ton, um, that Jack Dorsey is back in as Twitter CEO. Yeah, Jack's back. Jack is back. I mean, you know, we were talking about it. I mean, do you have any feelings on it right now? I mean, it's kind of a bit like it's like, okay what now like you know what are you gonna do right um he had a a tweet storm um this morning and yeah that's kind of the guess you the way you should do it right i liked it it was it was good i'll I'll put um a link in the show notes to his tweet and also to adam bain's tweet and you can kind of see the tweet storms trailing off them Uh, adam bain is now the coo this was the change that people wanted to see uh, this was the exact yeah. changes that people were asking for. Uh, I am hopeful for difference in in Twitter. I mean, I I believe in Dorsey. Um, I endorse him. Oh, not saying that again. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I I'm interested to see where it goes now. I think that Twitter as a company clearly is aware that they have to make some changes. And again, as we've said before, that doesn't mean that it's going to be the changes we like, but it's just going to be changes. Yeah, we don't we don't know. Um, but boy, he he does sound like he gets the product. That's what what I think we've been saying all along here is that he 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 knows and understands the product and he loves it. He cares about Twitter. He wants. It to- to be better there was an interesting story that came out over the weekend about sort of like the the personal growth of jack dorsey and how he's he's uh changed a lot and grown and become a much better uh ceo over the years and a much better listener and a much better manager which on one level i think i think uh was a really good story on another level i had this moment of like hmm i wonder what the story is behind this this particular story launching at this particular time like how much of this is organically happening and how much of this is the jack dorsey pr train happening but either way um it it became very clear over the last couple of weeks that there was nobody else to do this job who was you know that that the other for whatever reason that this was the only name and they didn't want you know they wanted him to leave square and do this and he said no i'm not going to do that and they still uh, did it. They still hired him. So clearly they didn't have some other candidate in the wings that that, that was going to be, you know, a better choice than him. So so it's going to be him and he's going to have to split his time between Twitter and Square. But I feel like the people at Twitter believe in him and that are energized by the fact that he's back and um, having a, having a founder come back and take up the reins. We know that that can be that can be a good experience. And I, I hope it is for Twitter. It sounds like they've already got a bunch of stuff in in motion. And, the, you know, I don't know if you saw this. The most telling thing in the last like couple of weeks about Twitter was that there's this rumor that they're going to do something that breaks the 140 character limit for tweets. And it's unclear whether that means something like they're going to be Twitter posts that are going to be embeds in a Twitter in a tweet 
or whether they're going to take some of the metadata and move it out of the tweet of counting it for the tweet length. It's unclear. Um, and we can debate whether that's a good or, or bad idea for Twitter. But this is the part that really got me is they talked to somebody at Twitter, I think maybe anonymously, who said there was huge internal debate about something like this. And Jack came in and said, it's OK. And everybody's like, oh, it's OK. And then they then they went about their business in building this feature. Um, <laughs> to me, that's like, wow, that is a that that is a company that is desperately looking for vision and leadership. And as the as the CEO and found co-founder of Twitter, um, Jack Dorsey has the authority to say, yep. here's my vision for Twitter and we're going to do this now and not have people be like, well, does it really fit? What do you think? Let's debate it. It'll He has the ability to cut through that and say, it's fine. Build it. And I get the feeling, hearing that story, I start to think about Twitter meandering for the last few years and think, yeah, maybe that is one reason why, is that there was nobody to say, you know, Dick Costolo didn't say, we're going to do it this way about the product. Because I think he kind of maybe didn't care about the product so much. I think he was focused on other areas. And um, I don't know. Again, I'm just I'm just in the peanut gallery here. But that that's that's my take on it is I was impressed with that anecdote that that was Jack saying, it's fine, do it. And and everybody felt freed to do it then. So that actually mirrors completely a tweet from Adam Bain today, where he said, Jack has the insight as well as the moral authority as a founder to push teams to make big, bold changes. Yeah. Right? Right? Because otherwise you're afraid. You're, are, am I screwing up Twitter now? And Jack's, Jack, of all people, is going, no, it's fine. Oh, well, if Jack says it's fine, then let's do it. <laughs> and it's, but That's it's like also the other way where it's like people like Jack we shouldn't do this and he's like do you know what though it's mine so whatever like what are you can do about it like I came up with the idea this is another <laughs> idea that I've had so therefore it is the actual thing right and these, those things do kind of marry up in a weird way I think I, yeah. I'm I think it's great and another tweet that I just wanted to, to mention which I really loved um, from Dorsey where it's like Twitter is the most powerful communication tool of our time it shows everything the world is saying right now 10 to 15 minutes before anything else also um, Adam Bain you mentioned he, he got uh, promoted to COO Chief Operating Officer from Chief Revenue Officer and I think that's telling because I think that what what that's saying is how how is Jack going to work as a CEO when he's also the CEO somewhere else and I think the answer is he's got He's got Adam Bain to do this part of the, this part of the job, right? He's gonna he's gonna keep Twitter running and focus on some of these areas, including you know sales and 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 the revenue stuff. You know, I get the feeling that that Jack as CEO is, in addition to being like the leader of the whole package, is also going to be much more focused on on parts of the product, and that Adam Bain gets to sort of run parts of the business under under Jack's you know thumbs up. And uh, that's that's a structure that makes sense to me too. Well, because it's impossible to not compare Dorsey to Jobs right now. Um, you know, if you think about the way that Steve ran the ran Apple, especially later on, he did things that interested him and that he thought was important. And Tim Cook and took Tim care Cook of handled else. the rest of it. And yeah. It, Hey, it worked for them. Maybe it will work for Twitter too. And, Maybe so. And Twitter doesn't need to and doesn't do things at the scale that Apple does. So it's true. It's true. It's a yeah. It's it's a much smaller group. I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, me too. I, I at this point, I, we've we've detailed this on past shows. Um, Twitter needs to you know move its product forward, and we may not agree with all the changes that come from that, but they need to move the product forward. I, I did see somebody. Uh, had a little exchange with Jack today on Twitter that uh, ended with the person saying, essentially, you should uh, 
you should bring back third part the third party developers <laughs> and that's it'll be interesting to see i'm not I, I wouldn't put money on that happening because i feel like maybe we've just gone down the road too far but i look at i look at the state of the twitter app on the ipad and then i look at tweetbot 4 and twitterific and this is so clear that twitter as a company right now can't make a good uh, mobile experience um and third party developers can um so I don't it'll be interesting to see what they do there whether they embrace the third party developers or whether they actually make an effort to get their internal mobile development team in shape was we've we've talked about before the 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 whispers are that they bring talented developers in to work on Twitter's mobile apps and then they leave not too long after <laughs> and that's a bad sign so I'm curious about how that goes, about whether Twitter says, you know what, third-party apps are an important part of our ecosystem and we're going to do more with them because that's an important part of what we need to do to grow. Or whether they'll say, uh, no, 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 we need to own that, but we're going to do a better job. I don't think there's an option other than one of those two, though. I don't. I, I, I will be grossly disappointed with the, the, the new Jack Dorsey era if their uh, presence on the iPad remains what it is now, <laughs> which is a joke. <laughs> So, oh, they just okay. shut it down and point everyone to to tweetbot. It's so, terrific. Yeah. Well, my fear is that they'll shut it down and point everybody at the web, and say just use the web version of Twitter. It's like I no, think not no, that dumb. no. Well, yeah, you're Zaps, probably right. right. Then again, have you seen Twitter for iPad? I know, but it's be- <laughs> at least it looks better than what they had before. I know there's a lot of white space, which is terrible, <laughs> but that previous version was just horrific. Yeah, it so. was. It was. So we're you know we live in hope. We do indeed. Should we do some Ask Upgrade? Yeah, it's a good idea. Would you like to thank our Ask Upgrade sponsor this week, Jason? Yes, I would. I would like to thank them. Uh, Ask Upgrade this week brought to you by Stamps.com. You know, um, as I've told you before, it can be difficult mailing and shipping and getting that that job done. It can it can lead you to sadness. This happens to me all the time. I don't want to go to the post office. It takes up time and I don't want to see those people. Uh, I also don't want to lease a postage meter. That can be very expensive. There are multi-year commitments and hidden fees often. There is a better way though. It is stamps.com. With stamps.com, you get to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package and do it right from your desk using your own computer and printer. You can even get special postage discounts that you can't find at the post office. Plus, stamps.com is more powerful than your average postage meter and is just a fraction of the cost. You can save at least 50% compared to a postage meter and avoid those trips to the post office. Stamps.com is $15.99 a month. That's it. There's no long-term multi-year commitment like the postage meters require. There's no markup on postage. In fact, you'll get special postage discounts with Stamps.com. So it's really a no-brainer. I have used it here to ship things. I've got a stack of boxes that still need to go out um, and I am looking forward to doing that in a way that I never look forward to shipping anything because all I have to do is sit at my desk and print out some stuff and affix the labels and then I'm good to go. And I don't even need to go to the post office if I don't want to. It's very exciting. Um, Stamps.com is providing a special offer to upgrade listeners. You use promo code upgrade for this special offer at stamps.com. Four week trial plus $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. So don't wait, go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Upgrade. That's stamps.com. Enter Upgrade. Thank you to stamps.com for supporting Upgrade and hashtag Ask Upgrade. I need to get an actual like sound effect for you. Yeah. 
Justin has asked, regarding display zoom, do you use standard or zoomed? I use standard. I use um, standard too. My, oh, wow. On the on the 6 Plus, well, you know, you're, you're taking full advantage of the room then. Mm. I know some people, so so um, my wife uses it zoomed on the 6 um, because she's getting a little... Um, a little far-sighted. She's got, she needs reading glasses now, so um, she is uh, she she uses it zoomed. So it, it, it when she went from the five to the six, she put it in zoomed mode, and that means that she's got essentially the same real estate as she had on the five, but everything's bigger, and that works. That's actually worked great. Previously, she was struggling with kind of cranking up the font size on things, and that's really inconsistent in iOS because not everybody's using the the right font APIs in their apps. And uh, mm-hmm. and so now she's using it zoomed, but I'm still I'm still on standard. So if you remember, many weeks ago, uh, I spoke about my mum getting a new phone for my mum. Yeah, uh, we got her a six. It came a couple of days ago, um, and I set her up on it. She is using it standard, but she has the text bumped all the way up and bold text on because it makes it easier for her to see. Wow. Um, but she loves the iPhone six. She loves it. She was coming from a five C. Mm-hmm. Um. We've got Touch ID set up, which she thinks is awesome because she wasn't using a passcode before. Ah. Um, so we set her up with Touch ID, although she found the whole process of enabling Touch ID hilarious. She just was really giggling. Like, cause you know, keep lifting your thumb, like your your finger or, finger or thumb, putting it up and down, up and down. I was telling her to do it, and she just thought it was so funny to the point where she couldn't stop laughing so much that I had to hold her hand and do it for her. It was a whole big family silly moment. Uh, but she really, really loves it. She thinks she loves the, the big screen. She did say that she kind of wishes it was bigger. Like she, she's interested in the plus, but she wouldn't be able to use it. It would be too big for her hands, um, which she right. understands. But the, she really does like her six a lot. Um, and I'm I'm happy that we've got her on a on a newer phone, and and she seems she seems really happy about it, and she's uh, learning how to use apps more, and she transferred her banking app over all by herself and stuff, which is great because, like, my mom's never used a computer. Like, she uses a Windows machine at work, which she only knows how to use that exact machine with the programs in the exact <laughs> way. Right? She's yeah, you know, she she's one of those kinds of people that she knows how to use. My dad, my dad never used um computers, but I set him up with an Excel spreadsheet for his office's uh, accounting, for his books. It was just an Excel spreadsheet with tabs for every month. And every year I would make him a new one. And he never did anything else ever on a computer. Mm-hmm. But he knew how to turn on the Mac SE, I think. Or maybe it was a Mac 2. It ended up being a 2, 2 CI after a while. Um, and he knew to click on the folder with the year and click on the month and put in the numbers. And that was it. But he knew how to do that one thing. That was using a computer. <laughs> yep, and because that's exactly familiar. It. Yeah. That is computer, right? But yeah, she she knows how to use her iPhone. She was talking to me the other day about googling things. Like it's awesome, and I love that this device is easy enough for her to understand. But we did have that conversation again. I had it with her as we I have on this show a lot about the complexity stuff. Like she completely agrees with me about how there are you know as as it gets more complex, it's harder for her to understand because something changes in the phone that she doesn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, so she just knows if there's anything she doesn't get, she needs to tell me. Because plus, I say to her, it also is really good for the shows because it gives me something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, Whimsy asked, what's your solution for storing all of the watch bands that you own? Uh, I just put mine in a drawer, uh, which is in my bedside cabinet. Yep. I don't that's, have like a box or anything. Yep. That's mine too. I, I, it's, in the, it's in the drawer. Drawer, drawer solution. 
It's I, I, I look at them now, now that I have another one, I look at them and think I should probably do something about that, but I haven't done anything beyond just have them around. I would love to see someone make a little box. Well. Um, Mickey wants to like to know what we think will come first, Apple stopping selling 16 gigabyte iPhones or more free iCloud storage. <laughs> <sighs> Can I choose the death of the universe? The end of time, the sun expanding into a red giant and melting the earth. Every now and then, uh, I mean, you will have seen this more than me, but I feel like in the time that I've been interested in this stuff, there is a story in Apple uh, press that becomes a thing and it becomes like a MacGuffin for a while. Yeah. And the 16 gigabyte iPhone one is that now to the point where I think Apple are kind of into a corner of having to change it. Because now it's being brought up in reviews in yep. the more general tech press. Like it needs to come out because if they don't stop it now for the iPhone seven, it's it's gonna it's gonna get away from them and it could yep. end up being a bigger point than it is now. So I, I think that no matter what they were intending with the way that the discussion because we'll just keep talking about this for the next eight months. Um <laughs> We will. It, it's going to have to go away. The sixteen gigabyte now. That's my feeling. And and if they don't do it, then they need to. They need to have a very clear reason as to why that they are, will communicate to people. Then again, it gives us something to talk about. And that's you know these the next fifty shows aren't going to talk themselves. But I mean that's the problem, right? Because we need <laughs> stuff to talk about, so we'll keep talking about that, right? So that's yeah. that's why they have to change it. Is because the the press just keep going around and around and around on it. I'm going to go with you. Next fall is an opportunity for Apple to revisit the 16 gig uh, lower end when they do the iPhone 7. It seems like a perfectly appropriate time to go up to, to 32 or um, or more, but let's say 32 with, uh, with the low end model. Uh, and they had the opportunity. They changed the iCloud storage rates so infrequently, and they just changed them, and they didn't increase the free number from 5 to 10. So my gut feeling is that will probably take longer. Although there's so much oh topic for another episode. We'll we'll preview this. There's so much more that needs to be done on the on the uh, shared services in a family. Because um, I was trying this weekend to to get my to get my wife's uh, iPhone to back up to my uh, terabyte of iCloud storage that I'm paying for, and I can't I can't do it without losing find my iPhone basically or find friends for her because you you have to choose one or the other and it's just it's there's so many things they need to fix so sometimes i wonder about that like could families pool or could you have a bunch of different devices that each get 5 gigabytes that increment toward a larger number up to a limit um lots of things they could do there but my gut feeling is since they didn't do it when they just revised all the plans that they probably won't do it again for a couple of years at least because they would have done it if they were planning on doing that. And finally today, Oz would like to know if we have any thoughts on the round Pebble design. So Pebble came out with another new watch called the Pebble Time Round, which is a round face, and, and it has some slightly different features, I believe. I haven't looked into this too much, to be honest, Jason, which I think is inherently part of the problem. Um, I say to them, bravo for trying new things. I'm, I think... It, I, I like the idea. I think the bezel is is just too much. Um, I mean, I I can accept the 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 little um, flat tire thing on the Moto three sixty. I I agree. Well, I buy Motorola's um, reasoning for that 
which they say is otherwise they would need a bezel, probably like this one, because they need to put the display driver somewhere. Um, I think that this is more of an indication to me that Pebble are in trouble because it's another version. Yeah, they're trying everything. Um, I will note that uh, it's now a two-day battery life. It used to be like six. Six or seven. Now it's down to two. I think this is because it's so thin, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Could I don't be. Know. Uh, I, think, I think it looks nice, although the bevel, the bezel is huge. Bevel. Bevel, bevel. Um, but I, I admit that I, I have, uh, I've written off Pebble because I don't think their um, iOS story is compelling. I think. No. I, I, I mean, I think even yeah. their Android one is getting harder to do because, yeah. you know, some of these device makers now are making you know full on smartwatches with full color screens that you know like a real little computers that pebble don't make that and and but that's the battery life is starting to get better and better and better on like this motorola stuff and the asus stuff that's they're losing their competitive advantage day by day now yeah yeah it's tough for them it's, especially it's you tough. know if their competitive advantage is battery life and they've just released a really good looking one but they've cut the battery life significantly then you at that point, why would you not go for a Moto 360? I don't know. I, for two hundred and fifty dollars, I mean, that's the other thing is if this was a if this was a ninety nine dollar watch, then I would yeah. say, oh, well, that's nice because I do think there's a market for a cheap light smartwatch, something that doesn't really do a lot, but it shows the time and maybe it gives you some notifications or maybe it's a tracker or something, but it's cheap and it's and it's uh, you know, but this is but it's two fifty for this, so that doesn't seem cheap to me. That that seems like a lot. I don't think they've got a long, a lot, a long time left in them. Uh, I, think I especially don't think they have long left in their current size and scale. I wonder if at some point um, they might be an aqua hire kind of thing, where they've been thinking about, you know, they've been thinking about smartwatch stuff for a while, and if somebody might buy them just for their engineers and all that. But there may be too much. It may just be too late, and and uh, I don't know. We'll see. If you're a company like Motorola, um, Asus, uh, somebody like that, you know, these guys and girls have been doing this for longer than anyone. Uh, yeah. You should, you should get them. Because, you know, that, that software uh, idea for the Pebble Time, I thought was really smart and innovative. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, like the, you know, like the way that everything was in a timeline. Uh, I thought that was really clever and it made a lot of sense. Um, so this is the type of stuff that they could think about because they've been doing this for as long as they have. So... I think somebody should consider scooping them up. Maybe we should buy them. Upgrade timepieces. <laughs> Exchange for some relay stock. Yeah, yeah, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. If you want to find show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 57. If you want to find Jason online, he's over at sixcolors.com and he's at jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, thank you so much for listening as always. We really appreciate it. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, follow up, follow out, follow in, you can use the hashtag AskUpgrade. It is a great way to get all of that stuff to us uh, because we look at it for all of those reasons. Um, and thanks again to our sponsors, the great people over at lynda.com, GoToMeeting, and Stamps.com. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Goodbye.